Do you have a toddler or preschooler at home who often misbehaves? Do you wonder if and how you should start implementing a time-out rule? And have you ever thought how today's punishment may affect your child in 5 to 10 years? So the big question is this. How do we navigate through the mountain of overwhelming, often contradictory, and sometimes false parenting information we find online? What parenting information should you believe and apply, and what should you reject? That is the big question, and in this podcast, we will help you understand what underlies your child's behavior and explain how to react in a way that favors your child's optimal development. I'm Alexandra Scherzer, and welcome to Dr. Solomon's Wisdom. It's around toddlerhood that kids start to misbehave, and it really comes down to the fact that they are physically more able and are developing their own sense of self. They're becoming their own little person that can move around, do things on their own, and make their own decisions about what they want to do and what they will do next. It's a developmental stage that is enormously important for their long-term development, but it can also be a very difficult time for parents. It can be frustrating, maddening, and can also feel overwhelming. It may sometimes feel like your toddler is doing everything you don't want him or her to do. So it stands to reason that parents start looking into the best forms of punishment, all in the name of getting their kids to behave the way they want them to. And so this is the topic for today's podcast, the best forms of punishment for toddlers and preschoolers. So what's going on with toddlers and preschoolers? Because this is where we really start to see this negative behavior come out. Okay. Toddlers adopt negative behaviors like saying no, struggling against you, refusing to do what you say, insisting on doing things themselves, kicking and hitting because their brains are favoring the development of areas of the brain that the child will need in order to protect and assert himself as he grows up. Your child is practicing these essential life skills. They also say no and insist on doing things their way because they are developing a sense of self. They are learning that they are autonomous individuals who who can and should make decisions, and so they insist on making them. Turning now to preschoolers. They behave badly because their brain development has reached a stage wherein they can organize their thinking so as to permit them to plan and to take initiatives. The problem is that they don't have good judgment or the life experiences to make good choices. So they often make bad ones, like going onto the street on their own or trying to turn on the barbecue. Rough as these two stages are for parents, the child must go through them in order to grow up to be a healthy human being. Both stages, with all their difficulties, are developmentally essential. Children must go through them. So for parents, it can be a very frustrating time with their young children. 
We want our kids to behave better, and most parents look into the best forms of punishment, whether it be a time out, selecting appropriate consequences, etc. What does the literature say about this? To begin with, I'll describe what a punishment is. Punishment is spanking, hitting, yelling, belittling, isolating a child, like sending him to his room or even putting him in timeout. When the literature about punishment first came out, a large emphasis was put on the dreadful consequences, especially the long-term consequences of spanking. As punishment was studied more and more, it became clear that any form of punishment devalues the child and children have negative reactions to being devalued. Moreover, one of the major reasons we have children is to have beings around us who love us, not only as children, but eventually as adults. And the more you punish, the less likely you will be to reach this goal. So the literature says that you should try to punish as little as possible for short-term and long-term reasons. And I'll go over the four main reasons now. The first reason is that it sometimes destroys positive relationships. Your child may come to fear you and sometimes harbors hateful feelings for you. Along with his feelings of love for you and need for your protection, he may come to dislike you. The second reason is that you want your child to please you today and in 10 years, and you don't want your child to be afraid of you. You want your child to listen to you to please you. In fact, children have an innate desire to please their parents that should be protected. They do things to make you laugh, to make you smile, to make you feel good, because they want to please you. It's not a concrete thought process that they have when they do this. They just do it. Their behavior demonstrates the desire to please. The third reason has to do with their self-image and self-esteem. Even at this very young age, they're building their self-image and self-esteem. Punishing them, putting them down, yelling at them, spanking them will give them a bad self-image, make them see themselves as bad, and prevents them from developing good self-esteem. And the last reason I'll bring up is that punishment is ineffective. The scientific research shows that it stops behavior being punished in the very short term, but not in the long term. Often the behavior goes underground. That is, the child continues to do what he was punished for. He just sees to it that he doesn't get caught. In wise parenting, knowledge is a great help. It gives you the strength to restrain and control your own feelings of irritation and anger when children are being very difficult. Now, knowing all these points, there really isn't a reason to punish. The only reason that's left is your lack of self-control, which in wise parenting is the S for being self-aware. So if you shouldn't punish young children, how do parents help correct their behavior? There's nothing wrong in stopping a child from doing something that is unacceptable to you. In fact, you should stop it and stop it consistently so that the child learns the rule. What counts is the way you do it. 
What I found in my work with parents is that if I say not to punish, their first reaction is to say to me, then I'm supposed to let them do everything they want? This is absolutely not what I am saying. It is your role as parents to discipline them, and discipline means to teach them the behaviors that are acceptable and not acceptable to you and in society. In the literature, what has been shown to work well is called inductive discipline. It means explaining, showing, and modeling, and literally carrying them away from situations that they shouldn't be in if need be. So let's get into more detail about how parents can implement this inductive type of discipline. First of all, you can do a lot of preventing. It's not necessary to punish a child for having picked up scissors and cut the curtains if the scissors weren't accessible in the first place. It's also less likely for a child to have a tantrum in a grocery store if the child has had his nap before you go and or you set up the outing so that it is interesting and pleasurable. I can understand that you're getting exhausted just listening to me, but parenting wisely takes an enormous amount of energy and patience early on, but pays in spades later on. Second is having as few clear and simple rules as possible so that first of all, your child can understand and remember them. And third, it's much easier for you to implement them and maintain them and be consistent about them than if you have dozens of rules. Second is having as few clear and simple rules as possible so that first of all, your child can understand and remember them. And second, it's much easier for you to implement them and maintain them and be consistent about them than if you have dozens of rules. So how do we get to having as few rules as possible, all while having children as obedient as possible, considering the stage that they're in? In my practice, I often ask parents to make a list of their child's behaviors that irritate them the most. And I have found that they generally fall into three categories. Safety, for example, no standing in the bath. Preserving the integrity of the house, for example, no jumping on the furniture or writing on the walls. Respect for others, people or animals, no hitting and kicking. So reading your list and selecting out all the items that could be removed by prevention would be a great deal to help you then. Let's say that on your list, your child keeps pulling everything out from some cupboards. Eliminate the battle you have with him by putting child locks on the cupboards or taking out all the items that you don't want him to touch and putting them elsewhere. In fact, put all precious objects out of the reach of toddlers. I'll make an important point here with this example. When you punish your child because he keeps getting into a cupboard you don't want him to and pulling everything out of it, you're not only punishing the behavior, but you are also punishing the underlying curiosity and motivation that he needs in order to learn. And that's the last thing you want to do. So back to having a small handful of real rules 
when they do that, parents are setting themselves up better to be less frustrated, less irritated, less angry, and so less likely to feel that they need to punish. Having a small handful of rules also helps your child to understand and remember what's expected. So let's say parents have done what they can to help prevent opposition from their child, and they are clear on what the main rules are that they will consistently explain and enforce. How does inductive discipline fit in at this point? It fits in because the child, being a child, will definitely do something that the parents won't approve of. With inductive discipline, parents do the following. Explain what the child could have done instead. Explain why what he did might be hurtful. Explain why what he did might be damaging. Explain why what he didn't do might have some negative kind of consequences. A big part of inductive discipline is the parent's explanation of what to do instead, combined with requests for or suggestions of alternatives. This is where the who, the W, of wise parenting comes into play. The better a parent can understand who their child is, why the child has behaved inappropriately, the better the explanation and alternatives can be. And then there's no need for punishment. Also, do and say things the way you want your child to do and say things. He will likely imitate you. If you want him to say thank you, make sure that he hears you thanking people. If you want him to hang his coat up when he comes home, be sure to hang yours up. It takes your child to consistently see you doing something for a long time for him to take on your behavior and make it his, but it will work in the long run. A topic for another podcast. So what would the take-home message be about replacing punishment, as you defined at the beginning of the podcast, with inductive discipline? Why should parents stop punishing and start setting themselves up with preventative measures, clear and simple rules, followed by inductive discipline? Well, there's something that we really haven't gotten into today, but it is extremely important, and it's pretty well known today. And it has to do with your child's developing brain. By using positive methods, you are reinforcing the connections in his brain for positive feelings, and therefore increasing the chances that your child will behave in ways to please you as he grows up, because we as humans try to please the people we love. Another big point about inductive discipline is that it will get your child to really listen to your explanations and suggestions for alternatives and will be better able to integrate them for the next time. This is because he will be giving you his full attention and not be distracted by thinking about the punishments to come. So in conclusion, if you find yourself at a loss because you're not sure what form of punishment would work best for your child, or you want to make sure your child knows how and will behave properly as he grows up, then rely on the framework we went over today in the podcast. 
Just knowing and understanding that a lot, if not all, of the bad behavior in the early years is developmentally driven can be a big eye-opener for parents in terms of how they decide to correct the bad behavior. So the framework involves, first, do what you can to prevent negative situations from arising in the first place. Second, hone in on a handful of key rules that you enforce and explain consistently. This is the best way to set up expectations for your child. They can understand and remember a small handful of rules versus dozens. And it's the best way to set the stage for yourself as a parent, where you aren't constantly irritated and frustrated by bad behavior. And third, switch from punishment to inductive discipline, where you explain, show, and model how to react and express yourself. Offering suitable alternatives and options can really be an efficient way to change some behavior in young kids. So stay tuned to our next podcast where we will take this topic one step further. Once you are set up by taking preventative measures, insisting on a few clear basic rules, and using inductive discipline, we will go over how rewarding your children for good behavior is far more efficient and pleasant to getting them to do what you want than punishing them for bad behavior. We hope that you found today's podcast helpful. Come say hi on social. Our Facebook and Instagram accounts are at Dr. Solomon's Wisdom, all one word. You can subscribe to the Wise Parenting Podcast on any podcast app, including Spotify, the Apple and Google Podcast apps, or wherever you listen. Parenting advice keeps changing on us, depending on what you read and who you listen to. This is making parents feel like they're doing a bad job. And worst of all, many parents today don't know who to trust for what is probably the most important job they'll ever have. So if you're the parent of a young child and you would like to feel clearer, more confident, and more at ease about your parenting decisions, then the Wise Parenting Academy can help you get there. With on-demand access to foundation lectures and seminars in digital, print, and audio, as well as exclusive one-on-one guidance from Dr. Solomon, the Wise Parenting Academy is the perfect next step to building the best long-term outcomes for your child. Come check us out at thewiseparentingacademy.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us again.